Oh man, it feels good to be a Chiefs fan right now. That's two wins in a row. Chiefs had a five-game losing streak, now have a streak going the other way. This time dominating the Detroit Lions at Wembley Stadium, letting those fans in London know uh, that the Chiefs can do some things here in the National Football League. So the Chiefs, after starting 1-5, and five, uh, looks like they found a bit of a turning point right now, currently 3-5. and five on the season. Now look, I, I debated when I would bring this up on the show. I, I just feel like it's appropriate to do it right off the bat. A lot of people on social media bringing up the fact that this win happened it came against a really bad Detroit Lions football team. A team that's probably going to not only just contend, but probably clinch the number one overall spot in the NFL draft. Not the all number one overall spot in the AFC, or NFC playoffs, I should say. It's the draft pick, alright? If the Lions are going to be number one in anything, it's probably going to be that number one draft pick. And who knows who they're going to get at this point. Of course, it is a little bit early, but uh, things will start to shape up and unfold, and it'll make sense at that point. But nonetheless, this is a bad football team that the Chiefs beat. But you know what? This is what you are supposed to do against bad football teams. You're supposed to beat them 45-10. to 10. And the Chiefs did that. So there's no remorse, there are no regrets, you you don't apologize for winning ever in football. Nonetheless, whether it's a 1-6 football team that you beat or an undefeated team, wins don't come easy in the National Football League. On the road, uh, at home, or in this case a neutral field really, which we'll get into as the Chiefs did give up a home game to play in London, but the Chiefs came out as winners in this football game. Winning and blowing out a bad football team is better than losing to a bad football team. So, uh, you know, my only comment to anyone that's being too critical about this victory, I mean, would you rather have lost to the Detroit Lions? Look, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of Chiefs fans say they're, they're upset because they want, they want to tank, basically. They want that draft pick. They were upset last week because of the win against Pittsburgh. I'm saying... What's the big deal with the draft pick? Since when did... First of all, we all know Kansas City had an overall pick a couple years ago. How did that turn out? Not too good right now. Everyone's calling Eric Fisher a bust. Some of Kansas City's best players haven't even come in the first round. Guys like Jamal Charles, Justin Houston, who have been drafted in the third round. Dante Hall, I know he's a special teams guy, but still turned... I mean, if they had to do that draft all over again, knowing what we all know now... I'm sure a lot of general managers would have taken Dante Hall sooner. Jared Allen, originally scouted as a long snapper, ended up being an all-star defensive end. And again, if we know what we know now, going back into that draft in 2004, there's no way Jared Allen slips that far in the fourth round. So look, the whole tanking for a draft pick, I'm not for that. I'm really not. And obviously teams never do that because some of these players, especially guys who've been making plays lately, guys like Derek Johnson, Sean Smith, Eric Berry, those guys are fighting for a contract. They want to fight their tails off to try and get a long-term deal. Guys like Derek Johnson, I mean, he's getting close to the end of his career, but I think he'd love to finish at the same city where he started his NFL career, especially very close to where he graduated from in Texas. Uh, guy, a guy like Eric Berry, who 
on and off the field, has gone through so much with this team and all the support he's received. I, it, it's hard to imagine Eric Berry playing for another football team at this point. So, and and of course Andy Reid, he's got a job to fight for as well. Uh, you know, if the Chiefs lose out the rest of the season, things might not look good. With that said, and I want to get back to what I just said about Andy Reid and his job security in a moment. But as far as tanking for a draft pick, look, it, it, it's nothing It's nothing to root for. It, there's really not. I understand Andrew Luck. I, I, I think that's the only rare case where that might have been worth doing. And look, I know what we touched on last week with Andrew Luck right now having a really bad season and even getting booed by Colts fans. But nonetheless, the majority of the time, I guess. 99 out of 100 times. Your placement in the draft means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Thank you for making me part of your day here on the Chief Zone podcast. Uh, Hey, I've had to say this a few times, but we are recording this before Game 5 of the World Series. This podcast will probably be out sometime Sunday evening or Monday morning. Uh, Look, I know no one's listening to this podcast. At least if you are a Chiefs and a Royals fan. Uh, If you don't have baseball interest, hey, great. Thanks for listening on the evening uh, while the World Series is happening. Uh, But by the time this podcast is out, by the time you're listening, odds are... You have celebrated and drank a lot, hopefully responsibly, and if you're celebrating into Monday morning, and if you're still listening to me, thank you for making me part of your day, taking a break from Royals celebration. Uh, It's been a hell of a season, though, seriously, for for the Kansas City Royals, Uh, just seeing how they won Game 4, just one small mistake. With an opposing team, the Royals will take advantage. And I think you can say that for all of sports. The Chiefs have made some crucial mistakes this year. Look what they did against the Broncos. If you limit those turnovers, Peyton Manning doesn't come back to tie that game. And Bradley Roby, that that fumble in the end, that's not going to be a game-leading touchdown. That's probably going to become a meaningless. Heck, the Chiefs probably are kneeing the ball at that point. Not even giving anyone an opportunity to recover or even force a fumble. So, big ups to the Royals, though. If, if the season is over and the Royals did win Game 5, congratulations to Ned Yost and everyone on that Royals baseball team. Just a great group of players, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, an organization of any league, uh, just with a lot of class, and really just trying to find a way to connect with the community. Uh, just the, the things I've heard about Salvador Perez and how he's helped some of the local small businesses in town, uh, some of those small restaurants. I, I, there was a sandwich shop where Salvi just helped their business basically skyrocket because he kept promoting them on his Twitter page or his Instagram page, I believe. It's really nice to see this Royals baseball team, and it's nice to see another team in Kansas City do well. Uh, because this city has needed it for a long time. The Royals were in the World Series last year, came 90 feet short of tying it in Game 7. Now, probably, I was about to say that they're, they're about to win it, but by this 
by the time this comes out, they'll either have won it or will win it at home. Uh, nonetheless, with a 3-1 lead, I, I'm confident in the Royals that they will have this wrapped up. Probably have already had it wrapped up. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking in the future, but then I have to go back in time. This is I love podcasting. I think it's become so popular, and the technology is so great. But this is the negative thing about podcasting. But nonetheless, uh, since the Chiefs did play very early, we I, I wanted to get this podcast out as soon as possible. But seriously, though, uh, it's been a great season, and you know, me personally, as a sports fan, I, I've seen the Jayhawks dominate in football very briefly, uh, win a championship in basketball, the soccer team, the Wizards, and then after they changed the name to Sporting KC, uh, got a championship two times. I think it's 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 the Chiefs' turn now, so. Uh, hopefully the Chiefs can do it because it would be great for this city. Just seeing how this city sparked when the Chiefs went 9-0 and after the year before, no one even talked about the Chiefs during that two-win season. The only talk about the Chiefs was just how the guys from Save Our Chiefs, Marty McDonald, led by Marty McDonald, was flying all those banners uh, above the stadium before the game. And then, of course, the incident with Jovan Belcher, very unfortunate. That's all people talked about. And then once Andy Reid came in, the interest changed. They started selling tickets. The team went undefeated for nine games. It was actually 11 weeks before the team dropped the game. So the Chiefs' rave was rampant in Kansas City. It really was. And seeing the way the Royals were, and I know it took a while for fans to get in, and I want to address this real quickly. If you are... That Royals fan who didn't follow the team closely and now started following them 13, 14 months ago, that's perfectly okay. Look, I'm one of those guys. Now, I've always been a Royals fan. I've never picked another team to be my team. I've always stuck with the Royals. But I didn't buy merchandise for a while because why would you buy tickets or buy merchandise for, for, for a baseball team that had consistently lost so much for so many years? Look at KU. I mentioned I'm a KU football fan, and look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy away from this since I did just praise my college football team. I'll, I'll go ahead and be honest for two seconds here. No one cared about KU football in 2008. Nobody cared. Prior to that, once once the Jayhawks were I should say 2007, the bowl game actually happened in 2008. I should say, but. Midway through the 07 season when KU was ranked, that is when people began to care. That is when tickets went off the roof. Everyone wanted to see the Kansas Jayhawks. And then, of course, they had that big game with MU at Arrowhead State, probably the biggest college football game uh, we, we will have ever seen, at least from the hype, and at least in this area, probably one of the biggest matchups. It's up there with the wild card game from last year, and then, of course, the World Series games. Uh, this year and last year, I mean, those are up there, but uh, th- that's one of the biggest sporting events we have seen in this area with KUMU. Now, look at KU right now. Ever since all the drama happened with Mark Mangino and his termination uh, and what he was accused of, Turner Gill, Charlie Weiss, now David Beatty, I, I don't know if, if anyone can even name who the head coach of Kansas is. I mean, he, he was a wide receivers coach at Texas A&M. So, for KU... Right now, and look, I was watching that. Oh, look, I follow the team, all right? I'm not that fan that just doesn't follow the team much. And I'll admit, I'm not a big baseball guy either. I think that kind of plays a role. Maybe being in the city helps. But I have become more of a baseball fan 
this year because of the Royals' resurgence. And that's fine. That's how sports works. I guarantee you a lot of students in Lawrence probably couldn't name you five players on that KU football team. And that's okay. Why should they? Could a lot of Missouri students or Kansas State students name the entire starting lineup for their basketball team? Because their basketball teams aren't very good. That's not a knock on KU football fans or MU and K-State basketball fans. Their teams are just not good. The Royals were not good. It was bigger than not good. It was very bad for years. Why would you knock on any fan for not having interest on his team? Look, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, so I have watched the Chiefs closely. And of course, being a podcast host, that's another thing too. But even as a fan, before I did this podcast deal, I had followed the Chiefs very closely, even during those down years. So there's no fault if you are that Royals fan that just started watching the team 14 months ago. I know a lot of people that just started getting into the Royals. And that's okay. Honest to God, I only know two people. Two people. In my life. And one of them is a close buddy of mine. And another one who I also consider a friend. Someone who I'd also had worked with in the past. Uh, also a college classmate of mine. Those guys are the only two guys I know who have followed the Royals very closely from the down years and now up to this point. Because they're big baseball fans. I mean, they just had, the, the baseball was their love, basically. Kind of like how I love the Chiefs in football. So again, uh, and there are a couple of people out there who are making those comments, oh, you didn't follow the team in, in 2013. Yeah, shut up, all right? Get lost. Uh, I doubt you did either, all right? And if you were that guy that just spent countless dollars on bad baseball hey good for you that's your money right there you know i like to spend my money on things that i think are going to be worth it the royals were not worth it for the longest time and now they are i remember last year i I saw a screenshot of this on social media there there was a royals ticket that did go for a million or at least on sale for a million i don't know if anyone bought it but that's how crazy it's gotten now people are spending thousands of dollars to go, basically, their vacation money, and it just depends on you. Would you spend that much money to go see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl or see the Royals in the World Series? That's up to you. Me personally, I I think I could do better things with that money. I mean, you think about what thousands of dollars could do. You know, whether it's for yourself, your family, payment, or if you like to have some leisure time or go on a trip, a short trip. Charity even, I think you can even think about that as well. Just kind of depends on who you are and what you really want to do with your money and if it's worth it to you or not. So again, big ups to the Royals. And if you're that fan from four, that, that, that just joined the bandwagon 14 months ago, I'm not criticizing you. And if anyone is because they followed the team, allegedly, you see, allegedly, they didn't either, all right? Uh, there were not that many. Ned Yost, last year when, I, I think this was when Alex Gordon had that uh, walk-off home run when they were losing 1-0 on the bottom of the ninth. I think it was Ned Yost after the game who called out the fans because there were a lack of fans at that game. People were still nervous about the team at the time. So again, I, I don't mean to go off on this rant that I just went on for for a few minutes, but I think I, I wanted to put it out there because 
There are some fans, not a lot, a couple, I, I shouldn't say some fans, a couple fans who are still making those comments. Look, uh, uh, get lost, all right? Uh, you, you're, you probably didn't either. Not, not many people did. And if you did go to a Royals game, you probably didn't know half the team and you just wanted to watch it for a nice day out uh, during the summer. Big ups to the Royals if they did win the World Series by now. If not, uh, it'll be nice to have it at the K. Why not? All right, let's uh, go into uh, some important piece of news before getting into this Chiefs game in which they blew out the Detroit Lions. Uh, Clark Hunt did have a press conference prior to this game. And Therese Paylor of the Kansas City Star asked a a really good question. And I really love Therese Paylor's work. I think he is... Uh, he did a great job with the Missouri Tigers and, of course, got promoted when Adam Schefter went over to ESPN.com. And I, I think the Kansas City Star did a great job picking this guy as their beat writer. But uh, he asked a couple of questions regarding staff changes. And, and Clark Hunt said, you know, the, the coaching staff, uh, those decisions belong to Andy Reid. And uh, he, he went on to say he has full confidence in Andy Reid and John Dorsey. But then the next question was asked, and I thought this is the question that everyone wants to know. Uh, the question is, so if the team ended up taking a top 5 or 10 pick in the draft, you still plan to keep, stick with Andy Reid and John Dorsey? Hunt's response, quote, I would. They're extremely talented. They do a great job. They have very good staffs. They do a great job of leading their staffs. So they're the right guys for the Kansas City Chiefs. So for those who really wanted Andy Reid out of town, like right away, sorry to disappoint you. That's not happening anytime soon. Just came from the owner's mouth. It's not happening anytime soon. Look, I said it before. I 100% agree with the criticism that Andy Reid needs to hand over the play calling to somebody else. I don't know if it's going to be Doug Peterson next year or another offensive coordinator. Or maybe he just doesn't have enough confidence in Doug Peterson. But I do think the play calling needs to be given to someone else. I've kind of entertained the idea of Charlie Weiss possibly coming here. And I I, I will say, uh, Charlie Weiss, I, I think he'd be really good with Andy Reid uh, as, as, as a coaching unit here, but the thing about Charlie Weiss is taking that coach at Kansas was not an easy thing for him to do because when they were in Kansas City, their daughter, who has special needs, uh, didn't have a good experience in Kansas City. When they moved to Florida, when Weiss was the offensive coordinator there, she went to a school where things weren't really good for her. But taking that job at KU, uh, Weiss's wife and daughter stayed in Florida, while Weiss and his son were both at KU. So, and Weiss's son, of course, was a student. He 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 was an, uh, a coaching assistant for the Jayhawks, a student uh, assistant. So uh, he obviously wants to follow his father's shadows. But nonetheless, I think the toughest thing about that, and I've interacted with a few of you on social media, that's why I'm bringing this up on the podcast. I think the toughest thing for Weiss would be leaving his family again to come to Kansas City. And listen. I know he's had some really bad head coaching stints in college football with Notre Dame and KU. And by the way, if he was coaching right now, he, he's still being paid by those two schools. If he was a head coach in college football, he'd be the sixth highest paid coach in college football. And he's not even coaching. And he's making a lot of money. So I'm sure he's obviously spending a lot of time with his family and enjoying the the life, the nice free money flying his way. But nonetheless... I don't think I I don't know if Andy Reid would even or part of me not Andy Reid Charlie Weiss would consider that idea because he was away f- from his wife and daughter uh, for a while. I mean his wife would come out for the games, 
uh, and I know this from from covering KU football, but you know, at some point, do you think weren't those three years enough? When I was away from my wife and my daughter, I think Weiss really wants to retire and probably spend a lot of time with his family. Uh, Of course, he's getting a lot of money from KU and Notre Dame, so. I mean, this is a lot of money that he he is receiving right now. It it is retirement money to a lot of people. So I don't know if that's the direction he's going in. He'd be a fantastic offensive coordinator. And I'm surprised because it's been more than a year since he has considered a job. He did. There were, there was a report last year that the Browns, uh, if I'm not mistaken, were considering Weiss as an offensive coordinator. He'd be a fantastic offensive coordinator. He did it in the NFL with the Patriots and with the Chiefs. Uh, not a good offensive coordinator run. It was a brief one at Florida. But in the NFL, this is the best that you can ask for. Look at what he did with the Chiefs in 2010. Made Matt Castle and Dwayne Bowe Pro Bowlers. Their only season where those two guys got a Pro Bowl invitation. So, as far as the staff news is con- concerned, Andy Reid and John Dorsey are coming back. I do agree. And look, Clark Hunt is not going to say this publicly, but behind closed doors, he, he he is telling these guys, look, this season's not okay. There's got to be some things done. But at the same time, you have to also know that he's telling these guys, look, you're coming back, but something's got to be done with that offensive play calling. It, it, it's got to go to somebody else because it's not working when it's yours right now. And I'll give credit to Andy Reid the past two games. Obviously, when you're winning... That means the play calling went well. Uh, There are some ugly wins in the National Football League. And again, ugly wins are better than losses. But nonetheless, when you you win, things are going good. And for Andy Reid, things have gone good for him very lately. And to see the Chiefs be at this point right now, they may have found a turning point. I'll get to that in a moment. As far as this game goes, now we're going to get into it with the Chiefs and the Lions. Chiefs put up 45 points, which... Tied, by the way, an international series record matching New England's 45 points when they beat St. Louis uh, 45-7 to during the 2012 season. Uh, hey, look, it was a really good game for Alex Smith. I-, I think he did a lot of things great in this football game. And with Jamal Charles not part of the running game right now, of course, out with a torn ACL, uh, Alex Smith really took over uh, running with the football. In fact, he ran five times. For 78 yards, that includes a long 49-yard run where he really snuck through some of the linebackers there for Detroit. And then, of course, escaping the pressure from the defensive line. And then on his way uh, on the left sideline, went out of bounds. And eventually the Chiefs got their second touchdown of the game. Smith, by the way, 18 of 26 passing for 145 yards, two touchdowns. I mentioned he had the 78 yards on the ground. Uh, also had a touchdown to go along with it. So Alex Smith responsible for three touchdowns in this game. If you, whether whether it's running or passing, if you can find your, if you're ultimately responsible for three of the four touchdowns, and look, it's not always going to come up in the stats book. Sometimes you have really good drives as a quarterback that end in a rushing touchdown. And again, those just don't show up on the stat sheet. So even then, Alex Smith did help the team move the football. Alex Smith really did everything to put the Chiefs, not just in position to win, but but in position to win big. And by the way, speaking of the running game, Sharkandrick West 
Spencer Ware and DeAnthony Thomas also had a touchdown in this game. Four different players scored a rushing touchdown for the Chiefs. That's pretty special right there. And look, in blowouts, these things are common because you put the backups in, you take all the starters off the field because at that point, what's the point? Uh, so you go out there and you you, you let the, some of the younger guys, the backups, go in there and make some plays. And that's what the Chiefs did. And uh, a guy like Spencer Ware went in there, got that uh, touchdown of his to help the Chiefs extend the lead and uh, put a bow on the game. Now the thing that I absolutely loved about the Chiefs in this football game, 6 of 7 in the red zone. Red zone efficiency was off the roof for the Kansas City Chiefs. They really dominated when they got close to the end zone. That's something the Chiefs have struggled with. A lot of their a lot of the times that I've said this before, the Chiefs either had long drives, good drives, end in a turnover, which happened quite a bit in that Denver game. Or that settled for a field goal, which was the case in that Cincinnati game. Now, a mix of both has kind of happened in other games. But in this one specifically right here, well, we also had a blocked field goal against Chicago. Let's not forget about that. But the thing about that Denver game, it wasn't just Jamal's fumble or that drive that Peyton Manning was able to tie it that cost the Chiefs the game. It was the turnovers when you were so close in the red zone. So for the Chiefs to go out there, go 6 of 7, and in fact, the one time they didn't get the touchdown, they still got a field goal. So all 7 times when the Chiefs made it to the red zone, they got points. And not just points, because like I said, that Cincinnati game, the Chiefs scored 7 times, all of them were field goals. This time, the Chiefs got to the red zone 7 times, 6 of them turned into touchdowns. That is how football teams win games. 45 points for the Chiefs on the scoreboard. The most they've scored since facing the Patriots last year on Monday Night Football in Week 4. So a lot to feel good about with this football team. And again, I get it. The Chiefs played the Lions. Arguably the worst team in the NFL. The worst team when it comes to turnovers. But you know what? This isn't what you're supposed to do against bad football teams. I guarantee you, if the Patriots, the Packers, the Broncos, if all of those teams... All played the Lions like this, and look, the the Broncos did in fact play the Lions. So I'll pull that up real quickly, just to because I don't have the scoreboard off the top of my head. They would all have a similar score: forty five ten, forty nine zero, something in that ballpark. In fact, looking at the Broncos, they they defeated the Lions twenty four to twelve. So should we sit here and criticize the Broncos? Because they didn't put 45 points on the Lions, and I get it was in Detroit, but heck, they're a bad football team. Well, number one, the Broncos are obviously undefeated. Number two, a win is a win, whether you win by one point or if you win by 35, like the Chiefs did. So, by all means, the thing that I like the most about this Chiefs team in the second half, they kept pedaling. They didn't let go, they kept going. Didn't go conservative. That was my biggest concern about the Chiefs going into the season. If they have large leads going into the second half, how do they manage the second half? And Andy Reid had the team firing in the second half to continue. They almost scored the same amount of points in the second half as they did in the first half. 21 points in the second half, 24 points in the first half. So the Chiefs played consistently well for 60 minutes. That is how football teams win. You've got to play well for 60 minutes. 
Uh, that was one thing. We touched so much on the offense, and I should also mention Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin each got a touchdown in this game, a receiving touchdown, that is. So those guys had a good day, really, through the year. Uh, Kelsey had six catches, 49 yards. Jeremy Macklin had just three catches. But, hey, when you find a way to get into the end zone, that's all that matters, whether you have just one catch or seven catches in a game. Do whatever it takes to score and help your team win. Defensively, this is where the Chiefs, uh, got a lot, and again, not only playing well for 60 minutes was a good thing, and also doing well in the red zone, but having a balanced football team. How many times have I mentioned imbalance with the Chiefs? They had the complete opposite in this game. Complete balance, offense, defense, and even special teams. Two good returns that helped the Chiefs in this football game, and also a great job by Dustin Colquitt, too. Can't forget about him. But Derek Johnson went in there, got a sack. Ron Parker got a, two sacks in this game. Dontari Poe got in there. Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, they teamed up for a sack. Houston, by the way, got an interception in this game, as did Sean Smith. So you've had players just really making plays all over the place. Uh, I don't I don't know who you decide for an MVP in this game. Mine does go to Alex Smith, not just because of the criticism he's taken. I, that's not a valid reason to give someone the MVP. But the way he showed up in this football game, going out there for two touchdowns through the air and also running on his own, the way he did, 78 yards, and uh, also that, that, that includes one rush for a touchdown. So Alex Smith definitely gets the, the game ball here, the player of the game in London. But so many players really showed up in this football game. A lot of people, especially on the defensive side, guys who are Pro Bowl material, like I said, Johnson, Holly, Houston, uh, uh, Sean Smith, who I think was robbed of a Pro Bowl last year. Marcus Peters even made a couple of plays on defense uh, with some good coverage and, and some nice stops. This Chiefs team really showed up, and I, I mentioned special teams. Niall Davis had a 50-yard return in this game, and DeAnthony Thomas also had a 37-yard return when he could have easily fell down as soon as he got hit on that punt return right there. So the Chiefs looked really good in this football game on all three facets of the game. I'll say it again, that is how you win games, and that is how you win big, 45 points in this game. Now I'll say it again, it is Detroit, it is a bad football team. So, what does this mean for the Chiefs? And I'm not making any a lot, any excuses. I know a lot of people on social media are touching on how the Chiefs had a really difficult schedule to start off the season. And listen, I don't think that's an excuse. You can't sit here and say, well, we faced this team. And I understand. Uh, I mentioned this before the season, and I mentioned this in an article for NoCoastBias.com. Uh, going into week one, two, three, and four, the Chiefs played teams that have not lost a game. Now, obviously, in week one, you're 0 0, so you don't have any losses. Going to week two, you, you face the 1 0 Broncos team. Going to week three, uh, an undefeated Packers team at 2 0 on the road. And then the Bengals, also on the road and also undefeated. Uh, in fact, the Broncos, Packers, and Bengals, uh, and again, not to mention that I'm recording this uh, a little too early, but. All three of them are undefeated at the moment as I'm, as I'm talking and doing this podcast. Now, the Broncos and Packers will play on Sunday Night Football, and by then we'll already know what has happened in that football game. But nonetheless, the Chiefs did play three undefeated teams to start off the season. Teams that started, got off to a 6-0 start at the very worst. We know that's going to be, it has already snapped by now. The schedule still 
that can never be used as an excuse for playing poorly. Now, I do want to bring up the remaining schedule, though, because, hey, look, if you're a Chiefs fan and you believe in turning points, I think you have some reason to feel good, or some reasons, I should say, to feel good about the near future. Now, obviously, because the Chiefs did play in London, the, the, the NFL has put in a rule where if a team does play an international game, that team does have a bye week the following week. So both the Chiefs and the Lions will have a bye week. Plenty of time to recover, especially with that long trip to London, now long trip coming back from London. When the Chiefs come back, their first game will be against the Denver Broncos. So, uh Again, at this point, by the time this podcast is out, we'll know if the Broncos are undefeated or not. Undefeated or not, it is a big game against a great football team on the road. But certainly winnable, because we've seen how the Broncos... Peyton Manning is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think the last time I can recall a quarterback being so terrible, yet has been on a really good football team is Rex Grossman for the Chicago Bears in 2006. But then again, the difference with Rex Grossman and Peyton Manning, do I even need to say what the difference is between those two? I I I think we all know who has a better career, and it's definitely not Rex Grossman. But it's a winnable game because of the way Peyton Manning has played this year. Now, following that game, the Chiefs, Visit the San Diego Chargers, who aren't doing too hot this year. Chargers are three or two and six at the moment, and again, this will all change uh, by the time this podcast is out. But looking at the Bills, another football team that's not too good, a three and four football team. The Raiders have the same amount of wins as the Chiefs right now, three wins. But again, that'll change later in the day. Three and three right now. They the Chiefs face the Chargers again this time at home. The Ravens have not been a very good football team. They are 2-6 on the season. The Browns, also a 2-6 football team. And then to finish off the season, you've got the Raiders at home on January 3rd. So with the exception of the Denver Broncos, the Chiefs are facing teams, all of which are below 500. So if the, let, let's say the Chiefs do lose that football game. Against the Broncos. They fall to 3-6. and six. There's a very good chance. That the Chiefs. Now let's see how many. Total this is here. There's a chance the Chiefs could win 7 games. 7 in a row. And obviously that would put them at 10-6. and six. Now do I. See the Chiefs winning 7 in a row. Quite honestly I do. This is a very similar football team. To what we saw. In 2013, when they were beating up on bad football teams. And again, I know the Chiefs offensive line is a lot lot different right now than it is, or it was from 2013, but if this is a chance to do something, get a surge going, let's go. Let's do it right now. Now, I do have to say, I think we've got to be careful with the Raiders because... A lot of us, including yours truly, have done a great job of underestimating that Raiders team. The Chiefs have swept the Raiders in a season just once since 2006. 
2006, the Chiefs swept the Raiders, but since then, the Raiders have either swept the Chiefs or have split with the exception of 2013. So again, obviously things change as uh, by the time we get closer to this game. Uh, you know, maybe a team like the Raiders goes on a winning streak. And at that point, maybe the thought process changes. Are, are the Raiders even a winnable team? Or, or is the Raiders game a winnable game for the Chiefs? So by all means, if, if, if you guys have checked out because of the Royals, that's one thing, but... With baseball season ending this week and a lot of fans going to start giving more of their attention to the uh, the Chiefs and, and even Royals offseason news, let's not lie about that. We know there's a lot going on with the Royals there, but in terms of just watching games, sure, you got KU basketball, but this is a this is a team that really has a chance to turn things around. That Steelers game probably was the turning point for the Chiefs. A lot of people are saying that these are meaningless wins right now for the Chiefs. I guarantee you when we get to week 15, going into week 15 when the Chiefs go visit the Raiders for the final road game of the regular season, we're not going to be calling these two wins meaningless wins because the Chiefs will probably have a chance to compete for a wild card spot. 10 and 6 in the NFL, that generally gets you in the in the, in the postseason in the NFL. Now again, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to go ten and six. I, I, I think the Chiefs drop a couple. I don't see the Chiefs winning the Broncos game again. I don't. I doubt it. But we'll touch more on that as the time gets closer. Spoiler alert. Yeah, there's my prediction right there. As far as the other games go. Again, let's not forget, winning on the road is never easy, and the Chiefs, haven't, they haven't had the greatest luck in Oakland. Let's just be honest about that. They haven't had the greatest luck against the Buffalo Bills either. The Chiefs and Bills have played every single season since 2008, and every single season, we look at the Bills and the Raiders as winnable games, and that is never the case, at least not every single time. Same thing with the Browns. Let's not forget the Browns have even had Kansas City's number a couple of times, uh, at least in recent history. So even though the schedule does favor the Chiefs to really go 10-6, and six, especially with the roster they have, even without Jamal Charles, I don't know if the Chiefs have what it takes to go 10-6 and six right now, or 11-5, or and five, depending just how optimistic you feel if you're really drunk on that Kool-Aid. For right now... We have to know one, uh, one thing, that the season is far from over. A lot can happen at this point. Keep in mind, Denver did go 6-0 and in its first year under Josh McDaniels. What happened after that? Well, they faced the Chiefs in Week 17, desperately needing a win, so that way they can make it to the playoffs, and Jamal Charles runs 259 yards on that Denver defense, keeping the Broncos away from reaching the playoffs. So there are times where we see teams get off to a hot start like a 6-0 start and then it just comes crashing down to finish off the season. We've seen teams get off to slow starts. I don't know of a team that started 1-5 and and made the playoffs. I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs, uh, it would be the first time ever. But look, Andy Reid, if there's any coach I feel confident with being in this situation with a 1-5 and start, now 3-5, and it's Andy Reid. And I know it's not, it hasn't been easy. But the Chiefs have put up a lot of points. 
at least compared to most of the AFC West teams. Defensively, it's been a, it's been a question mark. Uh, a lot of people wondering why this defense isn't playing well, even against good teams, because they did it last year. However, this is a team that will compete. We saw the team compete against the Denver Broncos and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Packers game, not really a very not a competable game, but gosh, I, I, I think the worst part. If the Chiefs do barely miss the playoffs, I think we're going to look at three games, at least right now, only at this point. A lot can happen later on as the season, uh, we're just at the halfway point, really. The Chiefs have played half their games already. I think the three games we look back at are the, the Denver game, the Bears game, and the Vikings game. And I, I kind of want to throw the Cincinnati game in there. I want to make it four because 36-21 looks like a competitive score. But we, if anyone watched that football game and not just went online to read the box score, we all know that was a one-sided football game. If the Chiefs have seven touchdowns and not seven field goals, Cincinnati's not undefeated right now. So there's a lot to think about right now with this Chiefs team, and I think it just shows you just how crucial every game and how every inch, every yard is in the game of football. The turnovers, the seven field goals, and the giving up that late lead to Jay Cutler. I mean, that was just tough to stomach. And then the Vikings, a really bad football team this year, surprisingly to me at least, to see the Chiefs lose in that manner to the Vikings, uh, not good at all. So I, I, I hate to say that the Chiefs are going to look back and look at these four games, but I think they're going to. I don't know if I have enough confidence to say the Chiefs will finish out above 500 and, and can make it as a wild card team. But... It is doable. That chance is still there. Now, how does that make the Chiefs different from other three-win teams? Buffalo, Miami, Oakland, Indianapolis. I mean, for crying out loud, Indianapolis is tied first place in the AFC South. And fans are booing luck. The thing about the Chiefs, I think they have a lot of talent. And a lot of people have spoken about this already. About how surprising the Chiefs have been. This year. So hopefully they can find a way to start winning a lot more football games. Really, they only have room for one loss. Maybe two. Uh, but looking at the AFC West standings, I don't know if going 9-7 and seven would suffice for a wildcard spot. That'll do it for the Chiefs Zone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm Farzine Vasugin. Give my Facebook page a like. Farzine Vesugian, interact with me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter and interact with me on there at Farzine21 on Twitter. A big thanks to all of you once again for downloading and listening to the podcast. We're halfway through the season, hard to believe. Hopefully the Royals have that World Series trophy already back in Kansas City. If not, I'm sure they'll get it this week. And hopefully the Chiefs can take advantage of this bye week and start winning a lot more football games. Again, a lot of season left to go. And it is doable. It is possible. There's a chance. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you later this week.